Welcome to the American Meteorological Society's podcast series on careers in the atmospheric and related sciences. I'm Kelly Savoy, and I'm here with Rex Horner, and we'll be your hosts. Our podcast series will give you the opportunity to step into the shoes of an expert working in weather, water, and climate sciences. We are excited to introduce today's guest, Vanessa Alonso, the Sunrise Midday Meteorologist at WCBI in Columbus, Mississippi. Welcome, Vanessa. Thanks so much for joining us. No, thank you guys for inviting me to be here with you today. I I can't tell you how much this means to me. Um, I have been an active member of the AMS, wow, seems like forever. So this is just another way of me to contributing to you guys and everything you have done for me. Well, that's great. Vanessa, could you tell us a little bit about your educational background and what sparked your interest in meteorology? Yes. So... I have a very interesting story with that. Um, I have actually always wanted to be a meteorologist since I was a kid. I was only seven years old when Category 5 Hurricane Andrew devastated my hometown of Miami, Florida on August 24th, 1992. There are little things that I still remember very well about that night. I just remembered hearing this constant roar outside my house that just wouldn't stop. I lived in Coral Gables at the time. That is where the northern eye wall of the storm was just passing through. I lived actually a couple of blocks from the National Hurricane Center. And as everyone knows the famous story, the Miami radar was lost at the National Hurricane Center that same night when Andrew was passing through South Florida. So... I just remembered hearing that constant roaring sound of that 165 mile per hour winds. My mom remembers vividly this noise on our roof of the house. It was making this like, my dad literally thought at that point that we were about to lose our roof. And we were watching Brian Norcross. Obviously Brian Norcross, he was the hero of Miami that night. My dad remembers Brian Norcross saying at that moment, get a mattress, get into a place with no windows and just hunker down. And we grabbed a mattress from my parents' bedroom. We hunkered in there. And at that moment, we just heard like this loud noise and we realized one of our windows blew out. Thankfully, that was the only issue we had at our home. My home continued standing But as you went miles south of Coral Gables into Kendall, into Florida City, Homestead, it was like a nuclear bomb went off. It was just like damaged for miles and miles. And you just didn't know where that ended. And me being a kid, it was like, how did this happen? So I just remembered when school started up again a few weeks later, I remembered going to the library and getting any single book I could think of related to weather and meteorology. So that kind of inspired me to go into weather and weather just became kind of a hobby for me growing up. And then I realized when I was going through high school, I was really good in math. I was really good in science, physics, chemistry. And I found out that you can make weather into a career by being a meteorologist. And me being the math science whiz I was, I decided to go for it. 
Um, I was actually the first student from the University of Miami in 2008 to be the first student to receive a Bachelor of Science in Communication and both Meteorology and Broadcast Journalism. There was no broadcast meteorology program when I arrived at the University of Miami. When everyone, my advisors, my teachers, my professors saw the drive that I had into making this dream a career, they were behind me 100%. So they were like, we're interested in starting a broadcast meteorology program. Would you like to be our little guinea pig for this program? And I did it. It took me five years, a lot of physics, math, dynamics, forecasting, a lot of long nights studying, lots of coffee. Coffee became my best friend in college. So, um, but I did it. It was one of the best days of my life when I walked down that stage and got my degree in meteorology. It was It was one of the best feelings ever. That That's so exciting that you were the, you know, the first student in that program. How awesome. Oh, it's it was great leaving that mark. And since I have graduated 12 years ago, at least I know about 100 kids have graduated through that program. And I know a few who have made it to like the bigger markets. And to know that I was able to open up that door for these kids to make their dreams come true, it, it makes me feel good. What was the first market, Vanessa, that you made your way into after graduation? And what was your career path after that first job up into where you found yourself now? Well, I was very fortunate that um, I was able to get a lot of experience in college. Um, I did internships at CNN in Atlanta, Georgia. I was able to do internships at WTVJ, NBC6 in Miami, WSVN, Channel 7 Fox in Miami, and WFOR, CBS4 in Miami. And I was also very heavily involved as a weather forecaster for our college station's um, news show, News Vision. So that helped me a lot to build my resume. Unfortunately, in 2008, I graduated at the worst possible time to be a graduate. Um, As we all know, we were going through a recession at that time. I just remembered... Every week for about a year, I was working in retail as an assistant manager in Victoria's Secret, just trying to get by, trying to make money. And I just remembered going to the post office every week, sending out, these youngsters wouldn't believe it. Back then, you would have to send DVDs. Um, That's something that I've noticed that has evolved over these last 12 years I've been in, in the real world, that like when I first started off in this business, you would send out DVDs to your news directors, along with a resume and like a, a cover letter all through mail. Now all you have to do is send an email and send your YouTube link and that, that's it. That's all you do today. So for me, I just spent week after week sending out DVDs and envelopes. And even the people at the post office knew who I was right away when I walked through the door. They'd be like, Vanessa, so how many resumes are you sending out this week? So... <laughs> Oh, it was, it was hard. It was hard, you know, being in a recession and, you know, not knowing where you were going to go was, it, it was kind of scary for me and me coming from a very tight knit family. Um, I'm, I come from a variety of different, um, cultures. Um, my mom, she's Cuban American. My dad is, um, Jewish German American. 
So I grew up in a culture where family is, you're very close to your family. And I was the firstborn daughter. So it was not just not knowing where I was going. It was like, how was I going to go through the process of being on my own without my parents by my side? So we were, it was a lot of changes going on that, that year we were waiting. I will never forget that day in July 2009, I got a call from KOAM TV in Joplin, Missouri. They saw my tape. They were very interested in me. Um, I remember talking to the chief meteorologist, Doug Hetty, who obviously is very well known in the AMS community. He has had a huge impact on my career to this very day. He is... um, He's a very dear friend and mentor to me. He's guided me through this career in ways that, you know, I can never repay him back for. Um, I just remember that first interview with him and he was asking me, so what are you, you know, what a girl like you from Miami, Florida wants to go to the Midwest for? And for me, I was ready to leave 12 month um, sunshine, hurricanes behind and go somewhere where the weather was going to be ever changing You know, for me, the Midwest is like the Mecca for meteorologists. You get all four seasons. You get everything from the hot to dry summers, the severe weather in the spring, the blizzards and the cold in the wintertime. And then you get the, um, the changing of the leaves and the cool weather in the fall. You know, I never got a chance to experience that. So I wanted that opportunity to get a chance to forecast that type of weather. Up until I moved to Joplin, I never forecasted snow. I never forecasted severe weather. So this was going to be something new and exciting for me. So I ended up going to Joplin. I ended up being in Joplin for about two years. Joplin ended up becoming like a second home for me. Then in April of 2011, I got a call from the northern part of the Show Me State, Kirksville, Missouri, I got a call from KTVO and they saw that I was bilingual. I was, I'm bilingual in both English and Spanish and they were looking for a bilingual English speaking Spanish meteorologist. So I was like, you know what? This is an opportunity for me that I couldn't say no to. So I ended up taking the job. I moved from Joplin on April 15th, 2011. Little did I know what was going to happen there five weeks later. It is still something that I still get chills down my spine. I'm I'm even getting goosebumps talking to you, thinking about it. Because as we all know, on May 22nd, 2011, the Joplin EF5 tornado hit the city. And it literally, that huge monster literally just wiped out the neighborhood that I lived in in Joplin. So it was just a blessing in disguise that I left Joplin when I did. Um, When we first found out, about the tornado in Joplin, my news director, she was like, you're going down there. You know, you have, you know, people down there. We, we want you to go and survey the damage. And so for me, having to experience Hurricane Andrew as a child and then having to deal with the aftermath of the EF5 tornado in Joplin was, um, as an adult, it really... Going through those two experiences really made me realize at that point, it was kind of like um, a learning curve for me that weather affects everyone. 
in all ways, shape and forms. You know, it doesn't, weather doesn't affect just a certain group of people, a certain background, a certain race, religion, you name it. Weather affects everyone in some way, shape or form. So that just made my my purpose as being a meteorologist being greater. You know, I've always been taught, you know, you have to be there and be informative, you know, during the good sunny days, but you also have to make sure you keep your viewers safe during the stormy bad days. So that that going through that experience was took my career to a whole nother level. Um, I ended up staying in Kirksville, Missouri for six years as their English Spanish speaking meteorologist and MMJ. In February 2017, I ended up crossing over to the Sunflower State to Topeka, Kansas at KSNT, where I worked there as their weekend morning meteorologist and their multimedia journalist. That opportunity allowed me for the first time ever to actually go and storm chase. Um, That was another great experience that I went through. You know, for me, having in the past only being in the studio for severe weather to actually go out and storm chase, that was that was a rush. I remembered still to this very day being stuck in a hailstorm and we were our storm chaser vehicle was a Hummer. So we were we were safe where we were. But I just remember seeing all these chunks of hail just falling. And once the storm passed, it's like I thought it snowed because all you could see was white everywhere. So that was quite an experience going through an actual like hailstorm when I lived in Topeka. I was only in Topeka for 10 months because in December 2017, I got a call from KQ2 in St. Joseph, Missouri. They were looking for a weekday morning meteorologist and they were like, we saw your work. We really like your personality. We think you'd be perfect here. So I went ahead and I wanted to, and I I wanted to, I love the Midwest. At this point, I was already living in the Midwest for almost 10 years. I I wanted to stay in the Midwest. So I took that opportunity. And this was my first full-time five-day-a-week weather position. So at this point, I was ready to go from a two-day weather position to a three-day reporting position to go to a five-day a week weather position. So that was that was something that I was really excited about. So for two years, I was I did morning weather and I was also their feature reporter, which was nice because I had to do a lot of hard news when I was a multimedia journalist. And it was not fun when you had to cover. Um, I can't tell you how many murders and robberies and horrible stories that like I did not wanted to report, you know, it's like you're a meteorologist, you know, you didn't study to cover murders and trials and things like that. So it was a nice change for me to actually do more feature reporting when I lived in St. Joseph. Um, I got to cover the Kansas City Chiefs during their two past amazing seasons, especially their Super Bowl win. That was amazing. I got to do more agricultural stories. I also First, it was my first chance of getting to talk about climate change with my viewers, especially with the state of the planet we live in now, that climate change is now coming to the forefront. I'm actually part of the Climate Matters community group, which is a group of broadcast meteorologists that are working to try to 
bring climate change to the forefront because it's something that I feel very strongly about that we do need as broadcast meteorologists to communicate to our viewers, to let them know that this is happening, this is real, and that we need to take steps now to to slow down the process or else our planet and us and our children and our children's children will suffer if we don't take action now to try to slow down the climate change process. So that it was a very great two years there. But then in December of 2019, I got a call from WCBI here in Columbus, Keith Gibson, the chief here. He saw my resume. He saw my work. He was like, you know, we're looking for someone with your experience to come work for us in Dixie Alley. You know, would you be interested in in coming here? And it was a very difficult decision for me to make. I would say it was one of the most difficult decisions I've ever made in my career because I've grown to love the Midwest. Missouri became home for me for 10 years, Um, being in Tornado Alley, covering the severe weather, the winter, the blizzards. It was... um, A part of me wanted to stay Kansas City. I love Kansas City to death. I miss it dearly, but I was ready for a change in my life. So I figured Dixie Alley, it's a whole other world. It's a whole other jungle. I figured if if I didn't take this opportunity now, when, when would I get an opportunity like this? So I've been here now in Columbus for six months and whoa, it's a change. It is quite the change. I can't tell you. How many nights I have not slept. I've had to babysit radar because Dixie Alley, it is, it's, it's, um, it's exciting, but at the same time, it's like, it's a forecasting challenge that I'm still learning to this very day. I'm still trying to get used to. Wow. That's a whirlwind of, of positions, but that's awesome that you had so many opportunities. So when you were um, in school, you said you did lots of internships. Were there any other opportunities you pursued that you knew would be beneficial to getting a job as a broadcast meteorologist? Well, that's where my involvement with the AMS comes in. I have to first say the American Meteorological Society, you have had such a big impact in my life that I don't even know how I'm ever going to repay the AMS for everything you have done for me. I even tell my mentees to this very day, you need to get involved with the American Meteorological Society because you just never know getting involved with this organization will do for your career down the road. I got involved first with the AMS um, when I was offered a minority scholarship for my first two years at the University of Miami to study meteorology. And it was through getting that scholarship and learning about the American Meteorological Society, knowing about how this organization is, it made me realize, okay, I need to be a member of this organization. If I'm going to be a broadcast meteorologist or a meteorologist, I need to be involved in this. So I became a student member of the AMS in 2003, 2004. In 2005, I... Along with some other meteorology students, we went ahead and we created the University of Miami student chapter. So I ended up being a founding student chapter of the AMS. And so through that experience of creating the AMS student chapter, I was able to attend my first AMS annual conference in San Diego. And that was my first opportunity to career network with people. And that's another thing that I tell my mentees all the time. When you go, you need to go to these conferences and you have to network, network, network. You need to meet people. And 
you know, you never, you will never know if that connection or that person you network with could get you an internship or get you a job down the road. You just never know. You just never know when you go to these conferences. So not only did I went to the San Diego conference, I went to the conferences in Atlanta in 2006 and then to San Antonio in 2007 as a student volunteer. And so I was able to actually, that was like my first real involvement with the AMS, like actually like being a part of the annual meeting and actually helping you all out with making sure everything was running smoothly, whether it was running the registration desk or running PowerPoints at the presentations, making sure there were no technical issues or getting coffee or, you know, it was little things like that. You know, you just never know how much, how valuable that experience could be for you down the road. So I tell my mentees to this very day, you need to be involved with AMS if you're not a member yet. Because you, you'll come, you'll regret it later if you don't become a member of the AMS. You've talked a lot about your mentees, and you talked earlier about a, a mentor that was really helpful to you, Doug Hetty. And I'm just interested to know what are some, what is maybe an important moment in your life that uh, a mentor helped guide you through, or like a particularly difficult situation, maybe that they were there for you, or a decision that. You had no idea how to proceed and they they were able to offer some wisdom. Okay, well, well, this actually brings me back to Doug. Ever since I got to Joplin in 2009, um, Doug, as everyone knows in the AMS community, he has been very, he's been a very essential part of the AMS broadcast board. And obviously the broadcast board is known to give out the CBM, the Certified Broadcast Meteorologist Seal. And Doug, from the get-go, he's like, you need to get your CBM. You need to get your CBM. You need to get your CBM. And I saw the requirements. I saw the process. And it was like a part of me was scared to get the seal. I, I don't know. I just felt like I didn't have what it took to become a CBM. So I went from about 2009 to about 2016 being a broadcast meteorologist and not having my seal. Now, you know, me being involved with the AMS, you know, I, I heard about how big the CBM program was, but at the time I didn't feel I had the confidence to do it. So I remembered seeing Doug in Austin in 2016 at the broadcast conference in Austin. And he told me like, have you gotten your CBM yet? And I went, nope. At that point, he literally sat me down. At this point, I was already going from year five to year six at KTVO in Kirksville. It was a small market. I wasn't making enough money. I was not getting, you know, I wanted to move on to another job. I was getting interviews, but I wasn't getting the job. I just was at a crossroads at that point. I just did not know where my life and my career was going to go from there. He literally told me, if you don't get your CBM now, you're going to miss out. You never know which opportunities you're going to miss out because you didn't have your CBM. I will admit my heart was pounding the whole time I was taking that exam. When I found out that I finally passed that exam with an 81%, oh my God, I just remembered screaming out and saying, I passed. 
we had a proctor watching me through the webcam and I just like freaked out for a second. I was like, oh my God, because you're not supposed to talk when the proctor, you're not supposed to be talking when you take your exam. But at that point I turned in my exam and the proctor was like, no, you're fine. Congratulations. So I was just so happy just knowing that I passed that. I went through that hurdle. That's fantastic. Going through the exam, that was great. Just getting through the exam part was an experience. Then it was the video submissions. And oh my goodness, those two months that I was doing those video submissions, I was just like waking up with a goal every day saying, this is going to be the day I'm going to get my active day. This is going to be the day I'm going to get my, you know, routine day down. And it's just like, you know, you're your own worst critic. So every time you're looking and watching yourself, you're like, what? Wait, no. Am I doing this right? Am I pointing this right? So, you know, thankfully, you know, I had my chief. I had other mentors that I went to for, you know, saying, you know, hey, can you look over this? Can you see how it went? And that was that's another thing, you know, being involved in the AMS, I got a chance to meet so many people who saw my drive, who saw that there was something bigger and better for me out there to do. And I think people wanted to see that happen for me. So, you know, having people and that support behind me meant a lot to me when I was going through this CBM process. And um, also I have, I'm very involved with a Facebook group of, um, that are specifically for female broadcast meteorologists. And that's, one of the biggest support systems that I have ever had. You know, it's tough enough being a female in this broadcast business. It really is. And to be part of a group, to know that you're not alone and you have that support system of other females, to know that you're that they're going through the same issues or different issues that you, you're going through, it, it really helped me a lot. February 16th, 2019, I will never forget that day. I was having a really crummy day earlier that day. And I was just like so over the day already. I remembered at that point, I just remember looking up at the sky and I just said, God, just just let something good happen for me today. Just let something good happen for me today. And so I get, I get home. I see there was a little key in my mailbox. I open up my mailbox and then I see this huge, thick, white envelope from the AMS. And I just went, oh my goodness, this is it. I honestly have to say getting my AMS CBM seal was, it has been the most exciting thing that has ever happened to me. You know, unfortunately, I've, you know, I've met amazing people in my life, but unfortunately, I have met people in my career, in my life who have doubted me and underestimated me of what I was capable of. So getting my seal helped me to realize that I can do something. You know, if you set your mind to something, you can do it. Could you tell our listeners a little bit about what your day on the job's like at WCBI? Oh, yes, that I can definitely break that down. Um, currently, I'm a morning through Friday weekday meteorologist Um, for the morning and noon shows. So my sleeping schedule is not the best. I would honestly say that's the most challenging part for me is my sleeping schedule with this job. 
So I usually go to bed every night around 5, 6 p.m. So I can get, I can try to get a good six to seven hours of sleep. I, that's my goal I try to do every night during the week. So I get up around approximately midnight, 12.30 in the morning. Um, I usually will get my hair, my makeup done. Yes, I do my own hair and makeup. A lot of people think that we have makeup artists or hair people that do our hair when we go to work. Nope, that is far from the truth. I personally, since I at every market I've worked at, I have done my own hair and makeup. That's all me. So I do my hair, I do my makeup. I, I usually lay out my outfit for the day, the night before. So I'll get my outfit done, my, you know, everything from the accessories to the dress, the shoes. And so around 1.30 a.m., I'll be eating breakfast. I'll start looking over from home the latest forecast models like the GFS, the NAM. Um, National Weather Service um, discussions. And my chief meteorologist, Keith, he is great about emailing me um, the night before and saying, you know, hey, this has changed since, you know, you did the noon show um, the day before. You know, this is what I saw change in the forecast or, you know, something's going on on this computer. You know, you should look into it or, you know, we have a really good communication system. So we're pretty good at, at letting each other know what happens during our shift. So that way, when we walk in for our shift, we're not surprised if something, you know, if, if something happens or something changes. So I'll get into the station around 2 a.m. I'll build my graphics. I'll get our little weather center ready for the show. Around 4 a.m., I'll do a website weather forecast for, you know, especially in this day and age, a lot of people, they'll, you know, we have, everyone looks at their phones first when they get up in the morning. You know, before they even turn the TV on, they're gonna first look at their phones. So we wanna make sure that we cover social media and our website. So I'll record a little forecast for the website and for social media. And then we do um, CBS morning show cut-ins at 4 a.m. My station is a CBS station, so we'll record our cut-ins at 4 a.m. to run during the 7.25, 7.55, 8.25, and 8.55 cut-ins. So from 4.30 a.m. to 8 a.m., we will do our morning show from 4.30 to 7, it will be on our CBS channel. And then from 7 a.m. to 8 a.m., we'll do the um, our newscast on our CW channel, which is the other broadcast company that we, that we have at our station. So we're mostly CBS, but we also have a CW department that we'll do a morning show for. And so... That's a three and a half hour long morning show. So I'm not just doing those live TV hits. In between my live TV hits, which I do about every 10 to 15 minutes, I will update the station website doing, you know, a web story for the day of what the weather's going to be like. I'll break everything down of how the weather's going to be for today, for tonight, for tomorrow, for the next few days. I will constantly be doing um, social media posts on Facebook, Twitter, um, I have Instagram. Our station ha also has an Instagram page, so I'll do Instagram. I have Snapchat. I'll do Snapchat. Um, 
We haven't gone to TikTok yet. Um, I'm still learning TikTok. I don't even know if I can handle TikTok right now. But <laughs> I, I'm, um, we're, it's something we're thinking about. So I'm like, oh boy, I, I need to learn TikTok fast. So that's something we're probably talking about to do. Um, and also I will put together a forecast for the local newspaper, the Columbus Dispatch. That's the local newspaper in Columbus. It's actually just down the block from the station in downtown Columbus. So I'll do a forecast for the newspaper. And then I will also do radio hits for six local area radio stations. So it is a lot. A lot of people just think I walk in at 4.30, I look glamorous and smiley, and I just go home and I'm done for the day. Nope. If people only knew what was going on behind the scenes, if people only knew, so... Yes, you sound like it's a super busy day. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm glad that coffee became my best friend in college because I, I can't tell you how many mornings I can't get by without coffee. I need my coffee. And the good thing is, too, I'm a very um, vibrant person, very alive. So getting through the morning show, being my peppy self helps me a lot. But by the time 8 a.m. rolls around, I'm just ready to crash. I'm ready for a nap. So thankfully, between 8 a.m. to about 1030 in the morning, I... I'll come home. I live only five minutes from from the station in downtown Columbus. I'll take a little break. I'll take a nice little hour, 90 minute nap. Come back into work around 1030. Do our midday noon show. It's a quick half hour show. After doing a three and a half hour show in the morning, a half hour noon show is a piece of cake. It is literally the easiest show to do. So by then I'm just like, um, I can get through this. Um, it's no biggie. And so then I will get home usually around 1, 1 1.15. And so at that point, it's kind of like my layback day. If I need to run errands, I'll run errands. I'll go to the gym. The gym is like my biggest de-stressor. I I love going to the gym and working out and just de-stressing and just, you know, mentally, you know, de-stress and just get ready for the next day. And so I'll get home from the gym, shower, get in my PJs. I'll watch the 5 p.m. news to see what my chief, Keith, um, has in his forecast. And then I'll go to bed and we do it all over again the next day. <laughs> That's a pretty good rundown. So you've had a, a ton of experience and I'd be interested to know what do you feel are some must-haves on a resume for a meteorologist who is just starting their career or very early on, what could be on the resume? And also, what in general, what advice would you give them on what they should expect for their career? Oh, this is, this, this is a good one. Um, obviously, you need your college degree in meteorology. You know, I will tell you right now, I can't tell you how many nights I cried over um, physics my math classes, even dynamics. I, I Dynamics 1 and dynamics 2. I still get nightmares thinking about the, the long equations from that class. I, I still have nightmares <laughs> thinking about it. But, um, I mean, you need that, that education. You need that background. You need to have that background in math and science to be a meteorologist. If you don't like math and science, then 
unfortunately, you can't, you know, you could still be a weather enthusiast, but you need that math and science background to be a meteorologist. So you got to love math. You got to love science. It's a STEM career. You have to love STEM in order to be a meteorologist. Obviously, lots of experience from the unpaid jobs, like the internships, job shadowing, um, to the paid positions, um, getting your seals, like I just told you earlier. I mean, the CBM, I felt for me, helped me so much to got to help me to get to where I am in my career. I don't think if I didn't get my CBM, I wouldn't be where I am now. Getting my CBM definitely opened up a lot of doors for me. And I am currently going to start working on my um, National Weather Association broadcast seal. That is another goal that I'm going to be working on over the next year or so. Definitely getting your seals is very important. Is it another difficult task? Yes, it's going to be. Yes, you have to study your butt off for an exam. Yes, you're going to have to put some good video submissions together to submit to the board to get it reviewed and evaluated. Is that scary? Is that going to be difficult? Yes, but is it worth it in the end? Yes, it is worth it in the end because you just never know what doors it's going to open for you. And this is something that I tell to all my mentees because especially in this day and age, your first job, I'm going to tell you right now, first, your first job in the broadcasting business, it's not going to be the most glamorous job in the whole world. You will most likely have to move to a very small town and you will most likely make very little money to start off. I mean, I will tell you right now, when I first, um, you know, me coming from a metropolitan area like Miami, Florida, and Miami, Florida is not only a metropolitan area, it's very diverse. There's a lot of culture, a lot of diversity. I mean, that was my life for for almost 25 years to go from Miami, Florida to Joplin, Missouri, that was a big culture shock for me. I was like, you know, yeah, the Midwest, the weather, it w- I was excited about. But then I, I was like, oh, Toto, I'm, I, am in, <laughs> I am in Kansas and Missouri now. It's like, it's, it was a culture shock. But I mean, it was, it was a lifestyle that I actually ended up loving. You know, I lo- you know me coming, you know, Miami is a very fast paced you know, city and the traffic is just absolutely horrendous. Like now when I go home to visit my family, I have to mentally prepare myself for Miami traffic. Like I can't handle it anymore. It's just so funny how living in one place for so long just changes you and you just get accustomed to the lifestyle. But, you know, you have to be prepared to move to a very small town in the middle of nowhere and make very little money. I mean, there were times that I was living on soup cans because I couldn't afford enough to buy enough groceries. So soup cans was the only way for me to get by because I needed to save money for rent or to pay student loans or whatever, or health insurance, you know, any little things that I needed to do to get by. Um, But there is a plus side to all of this. You know, being in in a small market in your first job, you get a chance to have a lot of opportunities and you're going to learn a lot. You will learn a lot. And you need to learn a lot in order to get your feet wet to help you make that, you know, that next big step in your career. And this is something that I still tell everyone to this very day. I feel it's like my pet peeve of life. You know, I always, every day when I get up every morning, 
I always make an effort to learn something new every day because I feel no matter how old you are, you should never stop learning. You should never stop growing regardless of how many years of experience you have, especially with how changing this world and this how changing this business is. You know, there's something new that's coming out every day. So if I can learn something new every day when I get out and go into the world, you know what? Hey, I'm living life. (laughs) Well, that's some great advice. So Vanessa, we always ask our guests one last fun question at the end of each podcast. What is your favorite musical group? Oh, this, this is a, that this is going to be a fun one. Lady Gaga. Oh my goodness. When, you know, me and her have a lot of similarities that a lot of people wouldn't believe. Lady Gaga, she came out. I remembered when I was first starting off in this business. And I remember when Lady Gaga first came out. I mean, this woman, she is just, she's an artist. This woman knows, she. I think she's very brilliant and smart when it comes to her music, her fashion, her creativity. She's a very smart woman when it comes to all of this. And she she expresses herself in a way that I feel like, you know, it, it made me feel, you know, it's okay for me to express myself and to show the world, you know, hey, this is what I love. This is what I want to do. If you like it, great. If you don't, that's okay. You know, just let me be me and let me, you know, show the world what I got. So, you know, she came out in 2009, right around the time I just started off. So to see someone new and fresh to come out the same time I was starting off and, you know, to see that, you know, she was not afraid to be herself and to, you know, be her. It, it kind of inspired me to say, you know what, you know, this is who I am. It's OK to be me and it's OK to express your feelings and, and show your love and passion. And that's the thing. That's another thing that I tell my mentees, because a lot of people ask me, you know, with every all the craziness that you have been through in this business, why are you still in this business? And I tell people it's because of my enthusiasm and it's because of my passion for weather. I love weather. I have a passion for weather that is very, very deep. And it's been that passion that helps me get up every morning and has helped me get through the good days and has helped me get through the bad days. And it's helped me get through the ugly days. It it was, it's that spark that just keeps me going. And I, and as long as, I have that passion and I feel that I still can have that passion to show the world that, you know, of who I am and what I got, you know, that's all that matters at the end of the day. And that's another thing I tell kids, you have to have passion for what you want to do. You got to love what you want to do in life. So what Lady Gaga song should we all go listen to now? Oh, wow. Um, wow. That's a, that's a good question. Um, my favorite one is the one from the Stars Born Shallow. Love that one. Oh, I love Shallow. Wow, it's so hard to pick. Um, oh, Born This Way. That is definitely my all-time favorite one, Born This Way, not thinking about it. Because, you know, it's the lyrics, you know. It's just, you know, saying, I was born this way, and I feel like I was born to be a meteorologist, and I was born to share my passion and love of weather with the world. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Vanessa, and for sharing your work experience with us. No, thank you guys again for for letting me be here and 
And thank you for, and again, thank you so much to the AMS and to all of you for all you've done for me. You know, I'm, I am still very involved with the AMS to this very day. I'm an AMS community champion. I am a member of the AMS um, Station Scientist Committee. My goal is to eventually get on the AMS broadcast board to help inspire others to get their certified broadcast meteorologist seals. So I'm, I'm not going anywhere. I'm planning to still be with the AMS for a very long time. So thank you guys for, for letting me be on today. We're grateful to have you with us. Well, that's our show for today. Please join us next time, rain or shine.